Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you're frustrated with typical hunting and fishing magazines and tired of reading content, then for guys that are up in the north or up in the Midwest, check out Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't fish or hunt in your home state. You can pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and it will help you become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by LS Tractor. LS Tractor is known for building top quality, high value tractors. Headquartered in Battleboro, North Carolina, they specialize in tractors ranging from 22 to 101 horsepower. LS Tractor offers a full line of subcompact, compact, and utility tractors, as well as a growing list of implements and attachments. LS Tractor is committed to providing personal customer service and quality products through an exceptional dealer network throughout the U.S. and Canada. For more information on LS Tractor or LS Tractor products, please visit lstractorusa.com. Start blue, stay blue. And also brought to you by NCX. As a landowner, the more income I can generate from my land, the better I can take care of it. That's why I use NCX. NCX helps over 20,000 American landowners like you understand and maximize the value of every acre. Find new revenue streams for your land with programs like timber, carbon, wildlife habitat, solar energy, and more. Get started with a free account at ncx.com and discover the true value of your land. I'm your host, Joe Bayer, here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. Butch, this week we are talking about recoil. Number one, how to reduce it. I don't like recoil. Every time I say that, people are like, man, we're being a wuss. And yeah. Good for you. If you like it, you can turn the show off now. I mean, <laughs> it's not fun. It's not just the kick of the rifle. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily just the, you know, the kick that everybody talks about. And yeah, I've seen you get a couple little scope rings around your eye mm-hmm. before with a little, little recoil. But yeah, I mean, I can think of several different instances where, um, you know, the muzzle flip, as people call it, you know, shooting a big buck and, you know, you're trying to get your your bearings on which way he went and man, I don't have a clue, you know, I, yeah. I recoil, recoil on the kick and my muzzle flip. I can think of several times where that has happened. So it's not just, you know, the butt of your gun hitting your, your uh, shoulder or in your case, your, your face. Right. And you know, it's not just about me. Uh, the reason I wanted to do this show, it's, it's thinking about my kids and getting them into the shooting sports. So I was sure. talking to my brother, uh, not too long ago and, and he had, was at the gun range sighting in a couple of rifles getting ready for deer season. He had one of his daughters out there with him and she saw him shoot that high powered rifle one time and listened to that sound and that felt that percussion. And she looked at him and was like, I don't want any part of that. And that's, that sucks. You know, I mean, that's not good. That's, that's, that is may take her years to get to the point where she would feel comfortable doing that. And it's totally preventable, uh, these days. So, you know, today we're going to be talking about all the different ways you can reduce gun recoil. To help us along with that, we're talking with Brandon Maddox. Brandon, welcome back, man. Um, before we get into all the ways we can reduce recoil, tell everybody a little bit about how much you like shooting guns with recoil. <laughs> yeah, I, 
You know, it's funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was wolf hunting in Canada, and you can't have silencers uh, in Canada, so I got scoped. So, mm. so I would say that recoil is something I don't experience very often because I always have a silencer on until I'm in Canada shooting wolves. So as soon as I saw my blood, I'm like, wow, that's not good. And as soon as I looked up, there was another wolf there, so I shot two. But I was just thinking I'd been a whole lot more accurate if I hadn't gotten you know my forehead bleeding. But yeah, I'm not a big recoil fan either. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have yeah. the headache either. That's right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I talk about recoil, I'm not just talking about what you feel on your shoulder. I'm talking about all that you mentioned earlier, but you know, it's, it's the muzzle flip that can be a problem. It is that, that, that pain you feel after shooting, you know, and I always hear people say, well, I've never felt the gun recoil whenever I'm hunting. And I don't either. I mean, I could shoot a, 338 Lapua at a whitetail deer and I wouldn't feel a thing, you know, because your adrenaline's jacked and, and I totally understand that. But if I'm shooting a rifle that has a lot of recoil, I tell you what I don't want to go do. And that's practice. Yeah. Put some, burn some powder and right. Get it dialed in and, or, you know, stretch out, see how far you can stretch out. Yeah. It's not that fun to shoot uh 270 Weatherby Magnum 15, 20 times. I can tell you yeah, that. Or, or even, you know, some of your, you know, what people consider milder recoiling calibers. If you're going to take longer shots, you really need to be shooting a lot and you need to be learning how to play the wind and learning how your gun and your bullet configuration, uh, react down range. And if you're having to listen to that gun blast and the people around you are having to listen to that gun blast and you're having to constantly ha you know, deal with that recoil, you know, it's, it's something that's going to wear on you. It's going to create, you know, can create bad habits. It's going to be something that you're not going to practice as much. And, and I always hear people say, you know, it seems like every time I talk about this, everybody's got a lot of excuses. We'll just put it in a lead sled. Like, well, you're <laughs> not going to be able to put it in a lead sled whenever you're hunting, when you're hunting right? you know, put a sandbag behind the, buttstock in between your shoulder you're not going to do that when you're hunting no you know so you, you need yeah, to it's practice, not a practical practice application like play yeah absolutely you mentioned brandon the the pain of getting scoped uh butch watched me get scoped uh not too long ago and definitely had some bleeding and some pain from that have you ever developed a what i call a yip or a or a flinch or anything like that over the years yeah, I think it's almost unavoidable, right? Just the anticipation of the the rifle going off. Yeah, I mean, it sometimes I almost like don't put a you know don't put a round in there and just sort of practice just to make sure I'm not just to make yeah. sure I have a little bit more discipline there because yeah. it's easy to get into a routine where your body wants to react before it happens. Yep, it's no funny. It's funny to hear you say that. My wife has has shared that with me as she's gotten into hunting. Is that what she likes to do is when she's fixing to take her shot she puts the safety on and just mm. takes the takes the shot a couple of times before she flips it off and actually takes the shot she said it really helps her calm down and you know not not get yank that, that trigger, trigger and get that trigger squeeze down yeah, just right that yeah. target panic you know you want it yeah. you know it's coming mm, i want to shoot now and you want yeah. it to be over and yeah. so yeah you just yank that trigger you, you mentioned you know shooting those wolves did you lose sight you know i mean coming oh, yeah, from totally. like you know, did you lose the sight picture? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I would say that's why even thinking back to when I first got started, cause I got, you know, started silencer central when I was shooting prairie dogs and, you know, people think about a 22 to 50 and you think it doesn't kick that much, but if you're shooting pretty far away, you know, three, 400 yards and you've got them in the scope, even just a small jump and you're going to lose, mm -hmm. 
you're going to lose the animal in the scope. So yeah, same thing as the case with the wolves. Cause when I shot, I had no idea whether I hit the first one or not until I could look up and see it was laying down and then, you know, then trying to get the other one in the sight picture. So having a reduced recoil would have been a whole lot better just to be able to stay on site and then look and see if there was another one. And then there was, that's why it was interesting to me. Of course, you know, you think it would have run off because I didn't use a silencer, but I was inside a blind and I let the muzzle go off inside the actual blind. So I think that helped muffle it quite a bit. Yeah. Hmm. You know, the other thing I t think too, I, I always tell the story of my wife. She was, uh, when we met uh, early on dating, I, she was not anti-guns or anti-you having a gun, but she was very much anti-her having a gun. That's because she had a really bad experience when she was young, somebody not thinking handed her a 44 Magnum revolver. And that was the first time she ever pulled the trigger on a gun. Wow. And, um, she didn't want any part of shooting for a long time. I had to ease her into it. Uh, and you know, you start out by saying, oh, well, I'm handing her a 243, right. And it's just, yeah. it's, uh, it's low recoil. And, and I had a, uh, one of my family members, actually the gun that I killed my first deer with was a 243. And he had a, too, he had a, uh, a detached retina. Uh, oh, wow. a few years ago and you know they, he wasn't supposed to shoot any guns that had any kind of recoil so he took this 243 and he had the uh had the barrel ported and Ooh. you know to reduce all recoil but man yeah. that gun is so incredibly loud i mean it is awful to shoot it, it really ruined the gun in my opinion it does not recoil at all but it flips like crazy and it is just awful i mean you have to have hearing protection on even in a hunting scenario you know it really made it not fun to shoot and right. and, and i think too that's the thing like for me and i've shot high power rifles for as long as i've been allowed to and i still don't really enjoy it it's not fun it's something i do as a means to an end to go hunt but when i've shot suppressed man it, it does make it fun because one, you, you really reduce the noise. You really reduce the muzzle flip. It allows you to get, get back and see your, your bullet impact is what's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I want to talk about all the ways you can reduce recoil. We can st kind of start from the barrel and work our way back. Of course, you, you're with Silencer Central. You guys produce suppress suppressors. The reason we had you on today is to talk about how muzzle devices like suppressors and muzzle brakes can help reduce recoil. Take us through what's happening with a suppressor or muzzle brake that is going to reduce the felt recoil at the shoulder, reduce the muzzle flip, reduce the sound. Yeah. So, you know, I think most people are probably familiar with the muzzle brake just because that's probably more common. And most rifles are coming with muzzle brakes today because then you unscrew it and put your suppressor on. But you know, when, when we look and compare like the average muzzle brake, you see like a 40 to 45% reduction in recoil. And we have a meter that does our sound testing and also does the um, test there on the recoil reduction. And what we find is when you have a suppressor on there, you get essentially the same. Some people argue and feel like they get more, but based on everything we're measuring, you're getting about the same. So going from muzzle brake to silencer, you're not losing any, you know, ability to reduce recoil. But most people think about the, you know, kind of the traditional muzzle brake where it's kind of vented out the sides and I always tell people that, you know, it's sort of pushing the gas back to kind of offset that frontward movement. So, of course, the rifle obviously is moving forward because essentially it's like a rocket taking off the bullet, you know, hitting that the firing pin, hitting that bullet. But then 
out the front where the first gas comes out, it's venting it out the side. So it's directionally pushing it back. So the goal is to kind of mitigate that. And honestly, that's pretty much the same way the silencer is working. It's just, I'm always hesitant to tell people it's slowing the gas down so that when the gas comes out, it's it's mitigated. But that's essentially what's happening. I mean, it's speeding the bullet up. A lot of people here are slowing the gas down and slowing the gas exit from a silencer. They think it's going to negatively impact velocity, but it'll actually speed up the velocity going through the suppressor. So really, they're working pretty much the same way, the muzzle brake and the silencer and how they're mitigating the recoil. Obviously, I just mentioned it. I've noticed a huge difference not only in, in felt recoil and in sound at my ear, but also just in muzzle flip. I mean, it's pretty neat when you're shooting targets and you're watching the bullet impact. Is that a big part of why people like suppressors? You know, I, I think it's a, I, so my honest thought is that most people don't think about that when they buy one, but once they get it, they see it as a huge benefit. Like, you know, I've been in scenarios where I'm hunting with like a tracker and maybe a professional hunter and they love the idea that, A, they can see the impact and it's also they can hear the impact. So you can actually tell when you have an impact if it was a solid hit or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's funny that you you bring to mind some of the times I've hunted next to friends that are hunting with suppressors. And it's exactly that. Like I'm watching through the binoculars next to them. And when they take the shot, I, I, I don't lose sight of the animal through the binoculars. And I, I'm actually able to hear that bullet impact that animal oh yeah makes a big big difference in in tracking deer butch i remember being at your place as a kid and and shooting a deer and there was a whole bunch of deer around and and uh i don't know where he went right well your dad came out and he was like all right which way did he go and i was like i don't really know man there was 15 of them and i have no clue and he was not he was a little irritated with me (laughs) but i couldn't couldn't yeah. tell man as deer hunting 101 but yeah, yeah. man it's, it's not always easy especially if there's several out there uh, like i said in the very beginning i can remember many instances where uh, i don't know where he went you know <laughs> Lo- yeah. totally lost sight of yeah and then what brandon was mentioning about the wolves uh, being able to line up a second shot you know if you miss the first one uh, yeah yeah you know, it's just hard to hard to get back on that second bead whenever you you just got a butt whooping so to speak right. Brandon, I want to go back to something you said before we get off into the other ways we can reduce recoil. I really want to go back to something you said about velocity, because that is another objection that I hear from folks when it comes to suppressors is like, oh man, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose velocity and, and that kind of thing. You mentioned that you don't really feel like you are losing velocity. If you shorten your barrel, are you going to lose velocity if your suppressor makes up the difference and I'll, I'll use an example let's say you got a 22 inch barrel on a 270 and uh or 308 or whatever it may be and you've got a six inch suppressor if you shorten that barrel back to 16 to make that rifle handier are you still going to lose velocity like you normally would or will that suppressor aid that somewhat yeah. So, you know, I haven't tested that, but I know that a silencer without cutting the barrel down speeds it up. And obviously when you cut your barrel, it's going to slow it down. So I think they would negate each other out. So I think that if you did say take seven inches off your uh, barrel and put a nine inch silencer on there, I think it's going to be the same. I, you know, what I found is the video games depict it cutting velocity. So a lot of younger people will say, Hey, I don't want to use the silencer because it cuts my velocity. And I usually say, well, that only happens on the video games. But the good reminder is that hole through the middle of the silencer is bigger than the bullet. Nothing touches. So that's that. That's kind of once people hear that, they're like, okay, that makes sense. It shouldn't slow it down. 
Yeah. You know, and that's another objection I get, I hear for suppressors a lot of the times is that it just make it, you know, say, well, it's going to make my, my rifle unwieldy. You know, I'm going for, well, the 22 inch barrel and I, and I'm going even longer, but I always say, Hey, if take a rifle that you don't have threaded, get the barrel cut down and, and, and threaded because I, I was shooting earlier this year, a 16 inch 308 with a six inch suppressor and that gun was very handy and shot great right. i mean you you shot it too butch it's a yeah it's a nice really rifle. really nice rifle nice setup and um really just didn't feel any different than typical deer rifle that i was used to using well you know so so you've got a, a muzzle device is one way you can reduce recoil and i always hear people say well you can get a reduced recoil ammo and it's certainly true you can and certain calibers you can go to a different ammo but my thing is, is why would you want to do that? Why would you want to neuter that caliber with reduced yeah. recoil ammo when you can reduce recoil other ways? I just don't really feel like you need to do that if you've got, you know, got that suppressor on there. But the other thing you that I think people overlook are recoil pads. I've had really good success retrofitting some rifles that I had from years back with, with various recoil pads and the recoil reduction is significant. So you start, if you look at the manufacturers of those recoil pads, a lot of times they're saying up to 70% recoil reduction. I always say, all right, well, let's just play, let's say they're being boisterous and, and it's 35% or 30%. If I'm hearing you right, Brandon, you're telling me with a, with a silencer, you could maybe get 30 to 40 to 45%. Yep. For sure. Recoil reduction Add a recoil pad, even if we're, playing on the conservative side, we're maybe looking at 60% recoil reduction. Have you yeah. noticed the same thing with, with good recoil pads on your rifles? You know, I haven't used them as much. I mean, I've used them more on shotguns and I agree they do work really well. So I, I agree with your math there that if you can reduce it by 40, 45% and then put a recoil reducing pad on, you're going to get even better. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you start looking at those numbers and you're taking something like a 300 wind mag, which is capable of taking any animal in North America and getting that down into the range of a 308, which is for all, but the smallest frame shooter is very manageable in terms of recoil. Butch, one of the things I think about too is gun weight. You know, I've shot some big heavy rifles that don't recoil all that bad, but I don't really enjoy carrying around a big heavy rifle. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. My 270 Weatherby is a, is a cannon. I mean, that's a great question right there also, Joe. I mean, that's that's one thing that comes to my mind is putting whenever I'm putting something additional on my rifle is what are some of the weight of these, Brandon? How much can we um, anticipate the the impact of the weight on our rifle? Yeah, that's a good question. So I know earlier we were talking about the um, backcountry. I mean, that one weighs 7.8 ounces. It's like the same as, you know, say your uh, you know cell phone. It's super lightweight, so it's not going to add that much to it at all. Yeah, you know, and in, in thinking of that, like you've got, various different types of suppressors, right? You got heavy ones, lighter ones, shorter ones, longer ones, all those, those different things. And for different uses are some suppressors better than others, uh, at, at reducing recoil. Like, like, do you have some in your line that you'd say this one is going to reduce more or less? How does that work? Yeah, it's a good question. So typically we find that if it's a little bit longer, it's going to reduce it better. But, you know, with that backcountry that you have, it's a little bit fatter, so it makes up for that. 
You know, I don't, I don't know if we've done as many tests to like try to figure out exactly length. I know we've looked at like, should we add an adapter to the front or something? And what we find with even adding things to the front of the silencer is by the time the gas gets to that point, there's less to reduce there. So it doesn't necessarily impact it as much. If anything, it might help with the sound. But you know, going back to the weight, you know, most of the silencers we make are 100% titanium. We just find hunters typically don't want that extra weight on the end of the barrel. It's sort of that theory of, okay, my gun's already too heavy and I don't want to add that extra weight or length. So that's why we kind of started out of the gate, you know, day one, making everything all titanium just so that you aren't putting as much weight on the end of the barrel. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of the businesses that make this show free for you every episode. This week's show is brought to you by... First South Farm Credit. What does a farm mean to you? Maybe it's just a piece of land where you can go relax or enjoy the outdoors. Whatever the farm means to you, First South Farm Credit can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. As a successful financial cooperative, First South shares its profits with its borrowers in the form of a patronage refund, which lowers your cost of borrowing. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. And also brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. MallardBay.com is the Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking your next scouted hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the United States. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, mallardbay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook, and they can help you find your dream hunt. Brandon, pretty much every time I think about a suppressor, it just seems like you were talking about the video games. It almost seems like there's a negative connotation towards it for several different reasons. They're not legal in some states, or you know, some people think they're illegal in many different places than they actually are. Right. Um, I know you guys have done a lot over there at Silencer Central to to streamline this process. How can we purchase a suppressor legally and make sure that we're going to be legal? Yeah, good question. So, um, you know, of course, they could do a Google search for Silencer Central and just call us because we got a whole team of guys here that you know that's all they do is shoot and hunt and. You know, they're illegal in 42 states, so I always say it's just the dark, dark blue states where you think they would be illegal, they're illegal, but everywhere else, they're, you know, very common, and you can hunt with them in every state where they're legal except Connecticut. Um, They're legal there, but you can't hunt with them. But, yeah, no, if someone's interested in knowing what states, just call us. And then, you know, typically, one thing I find that most hunters don't realize is you typically can buy a multi-caliber silencer where you could get something used for like 30 cal and it'll work on pretty much every centerfire rifle you have in your vault. You know, if a guy has a 308, a 300 wind mag and a 223 and a 270 and all those 65, all those will pretty much work on one suppressor. So I think one hesitancy is people are afraid, well, gosh, if I get into this, I really like it. I might have to get one for every gun. And that's rarely the case. <laughs> no, but you will be taking your gun to a gunsmith and and starting to thre- get them threaded because you oh, yeah, sure, totally. once you start shooting with it, you're going to be like, no, I don't want to shoot without it anymore. Uh, totally. at, least that's, at least that's been my experience. You know, like you mentioned, I, I just got just got a banished backcountry from you guys. I really decided to go with that one because of what you've already talked about it being a shorter suppressor and being a lightweight suppressor, which for me in a hunting scenario, which is what I'm focused on is hunting. I wanted it to be as compact and keep my gun as compact as I could. And I wanted it to be as light 
as I could because I'm going to have to hump this thing around with me wherever I go and and pull it up into tree stands. And so I really wanted short and light, and and that thing has has definitely fit the bill. But I'll tell you what I really enjoyed the most um, so far about that suppressor has been the process of buying it for years. And I'd shotguns for years that had suppressors, but I did not have one of my own. And the process of getting one was just a non-starter for me. It just, it was like, man, I got to deal with the government. There's all these words. I don't even know what they're talking about with stamps and forms to fill out and background checks and fingerprints. And it just wasn't, I was like, why do I need to do this when I haven't needed it my whole life? You know, is it going to be worth it to me? And having worked through y'all's process, it was really easy. All I had to do was follow the instructions. You know, it was streamlined to emails, text messages, phone calls, and you guys sent the stuff I needed in the mail. It was super easy to accomplish. So for people that are thinking about Espresso, maybe maybe they're like me and it's, it's kind of a non-starter. What have y'all done to make this a lot easier for the average guy to get into? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I would say that like my business started a little different than most. I worked gun shows for really the last, you know, 18 years and farm shows, sportsman shows. And because of that interaction with a consumer, the feedback I got was the biggest obstacle is what you said is people didn't want to have to deal with the paperwork. So I decided, gosh, if we could create a business where we spend the next, you know, X number of years trying to make the process easier, I think it would encourage more people to have an interest in buying a suppressor. Because as you mentioned, once you hunt with one, you'll never hunt again without it. So. Right. It's sort of like, how do we get people on the boat? And then they start telling their friends. So, you know, some of the things that I would say we've done is it's just a different approach. Like when I bought my first one, I walked into the gun store and they handed me all the paperwork and, you know, kind of politely said, go figure it out. Where we took a different approach and said, we're going to own the process and we're going to engage you when we need your help. So in other words, we're going to drive the train to make sure everything's done properly and the onus is on us. It's not on you. And I think people like that. It's sort of like we think of us as Silencer Central guiding you through the process. We're going to help you pick out which one you want or you could buy one on our website and it just becomes autopilot. We're going to send you the list of information that we need to create the forms. Then we're going to create the forms digitally. We have a variance from the ATF that allows us to let you complete them digitally. So we'll send them to you via DocuSign. You're basically just signing. We're going to mail you fingerprint cards because they do require your fingerprints. We're going to mail you ink where you just roll your own. And you know we give you a self-addressed envelope where you send them right back to us. So you don't have to worry about where to mail it or how much postage to put on it. And then we scan them in and we upload all that information up to the ATF. And then we update you monthly kind of where you're at in the process. And then when it comes back approved, we have that final form you fill out, the 4473. Anytime you buy a firearm, we have a variance from the ATF to do that digitally as well with DocuSign. And then we basically just ship it to your front door. So um, we found it does make people more interested in buying a suppressor if you're able to reduce some of those obstacles. You know, you mentioned barrel threading service we offer as well. So like if it shows people you say, well, I'm, I don't know if I want to get a silencer. None of my barrels are threaded. And I was like, well, it's probably an opportunity for us to bring that in-house just so that people can get it done locally, obviously, but we don't want it to be an obstacle where they don't want to get one just because they don't know where to take it or, you know, so that's, we basically send them an empty rifle case. Customer puts their rifle in there. We do FedEx ground back to us, thread it. Three days later, we send it back to you. So, mm-hmm. and we've really... You know, we always get questions about, should I get a trust? Should I not get a trust? We give everyone free a trust. So that just keeps it simple. You know, the goal is how can we add so much value that you say, hey, why didn't I do this 10 or 15 years ago? 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and you, you guys really do that. And this is not a sponsored show. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is just, we invited you to be on because you know a lot about suppressors and you know a lot about the process. And I really think it's something that everyone should have. I don't know why it's illegal in the first place. I mean, it's just an idiotic rule to, to begin with, in my opinion, but it, it's a safety thing. It's a, it makes it more enjoyable for you shooting. It makes it more enjoyable for the people around you. Uh, it's, there's just, it's just really all positives in my mind. Um, and you guys do a great job of making it easier. Uh, my suppressor from the time I ordered it until the time I got it, it was right at, I think about eight months, but we had the paperwork done and it seemed like a week or maybe, you know, 10 days or something like it. it, it, That was the easy part. It was just, then it was just waiting for the government to do their thing. And, um, you know, that was plenty of time. Like you were talking about, like, if you're thinking, well, then I got to go get barrel started. Well, order your suppressor and then you've got, you know, some time to go get your barrels threaded and get, get done what you need to get done. What's current wait time looking right now? You know, you're almost spot on. It's like seven, eight months. So that's kind of what we're seeing with ATF. You know, they problem is I'm so, um, I, I maybe I'm gullible. Every time they tell me they're going to fix it, make it quicker. And I believe them, it doesn't, but yeah. I, you know, I, I think that them going digital helped, but the hard part at their, their sort of rebuttal is every time we make it quicker, more people buy them. And then that's uh-huh. why the wait gets longer. So I get it. The the weight, you know, the number of um, people buying suppressors has continued to grow like exponentially over the years. So um, my hope is it only continues to go down. They've got open, um, you know, wrecks they're trying to fill for new employees. I think it's six is what I heard when I met with them a couple of weeks ago. So trying to hire six more examiners and, it should only continue to speed up over time. Awesome. Yeah, it seems like it's gotten a lot better. I've heard horror stories of people waiting, you know, several years for it previous yeah. to the uh, the new developments. Brandon, I'm sure you guys there get a get a lot of questions and get a lot of inquiries um, for you know various reasons. But what are some of the you know if somebody calls up and thinking about getting a, pro- a suppressor, what are some of the most common questions that people ask? Like, what do we need to be aware of before before buying one of these and putting them on our gun? Yeah. You know, sometimes people do ask the question of, is there a particular one specific to my rifle? And typically the answer is no. I mean, a 30 caliber silencer is going to work just as well on a Weatherby as it will on a Bagara. So it's not like people sometimes worry, you know, is there a specific one for mine? I think, like I mentioned earlier, most people aren't aware of like sort of this multi-caliber concept. You know, we do find that people like the idea, like um, most of the banished series, you can take apart and clean them. So I'd say it was about 30% of people that, Hey, I clean my rifle. I want to be able to take the silencer apart and clean it. So uh, we do have that option too, where people could take apart and clean. They're excited to hear that. It's, it's common in the industry to have like a rim fire that comes apart and cleans because you can get lead buildup, but people don't realize they can get, you know, larger center fire calibers as well that you could take apart and clean. So that's, that's an interesting thing. Once they learn, they become more interested in that. Um, you know, most questions people have are just about the process and just getting them comfortable. I, you know, I usually say that working shows, I could see when that light goes off and they're like, yep, they've got it figured out. They've been doing this long enough that, you know, they they know how the process works. But you can tell there's a lot of questions on, you know, should I get a trust? Should I not get a trust? We feel like the trust is the best way to go. That's why we just offer it free as part of our process. I think people are skeptical of like, how can you mail it to our front door? I think you guys live in Alabama and Florida. So the way it works is we have a licensed location. So I have stores in all 42 states where silencers are legal. So that silencer is actually being shipped from my Florida location to your front door and from my Alabama location to your front door. So that's how we're able to do that is we're just licensed and, you know, all those states and I have employees in all those states as well. So that's what makes it a, you know, just sort of a, a seamless process. 
Very cool. Brandon, you mentioned there about the some people like to break them open and clean them periodically. Is that something that you need to do? And is there any other maintenance or, you know, things that we can do to care for our suppressor? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I do find it adds some weight to it, like the carbon buildup in there, especially when we we have a law enforcement can and we'll see it build up a carbon, it can get heavier. Also, the the assumption is that as you build carbon in there, then you have less volume for the gas to expand in. So it's going to get louder over time. You know, uh, the silencers that come apart that we make, you know, typically people do it every few hundred rounds. They'll take it apart and clean it. Basically just soak the baffles in like a CLR, that calcium lime rust remover, that little green bottle of stuff, that acid will eat the carbon off really well. And the silencers that don't come apart to clean, typically people will tape one end of it and pour that CLR in there and just kind of rinse it using a water-based, you know, application to clean it out to get the carbon out. Because I I do feel like that over time, if they do get too carbon up, they do get louder and you can notice a difference in their effectiveness. So it's a good idea to do that periodically. You know, the other thing people ask about is, hey, what are those, you know, wraps that people put on there? What's the benefit of putting wrap on your suppressor? And why would I want that? You know, for me shooting prairie dogs, I could sometimes shoot two or 300 rounds in a day on an AR platform and you start getting those heat mirages into your scope and it's hard to actually see out of the scope with that heat mirage coming off the silencer. So by having a, you know, like a wrap on there that can mitigate that heat, it actually helps. Also, you know, the wraps that we have at Silencer Central, we've tested, they actually mitigate sound too. They have like a a neoprene wrap on there and that wrap, that rubberized wrap actually will absorb some of the tone. So it actually makes it a few decibels quieter, which is nice. And then also, you know, you could shoot a gun a few times and get that silencer pretty hot, pretty quick. And people are hesitant to want to put it in their truck and, you know, burn their carpet or burn their seat or mess up the back of their truck. So when you have that, you have the wrap on there, it'll help, you know, kind of protect the heat from melting or burning anything else up. So that's, people find it beneficial. They like that. Also, people sometimes, I sometimes have in my head, well, I don't want that silencer to, you know, unscrew off the end if I've been shooting it too much. So when you have a wrap on there, you can grab it while it's hot and just make sure, you just kind of reconfirm mentally for yourself that it's still snug. Yeah. Multi-purpose. I like it. Yeah. Well, Brandon, there's a lot you can do to reduce recoil. I mean, a recoil pad's a really easy thing to do uh, on most any type of firearm. You can certainly try to shoot a heavier gun or, or change your ammunition. Heck, I've even shot, you know, different stock configurations where you you put that that buttstock more on your pectoral and less on your shoulder and that can help too, but to me the easiest two things to do are to focus on the ends of the gun. You focus on the buttstock and you focus on the muzzle and you know, having that suppressor on there is, is a, like you said earlier, and, and I totally agree with you. Once you shoot one, if you haven't, you won't want to shoot any other way. I mean, you will, if you don't have one, because you don't have a choice, but Holy. I, I really like suppressors. I want everybody to shoot them. I don't want to hear my neighbors shooting as much as I do. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I, I want them to be more prevalent. I want it to get to the point where it's really easy to get them fast to get them the kind of same as if you said, you know what, I want to go get a suppressor and I want to hunt with it this weekend. I hope that someday that that's possible, but right yeah. now it's not, it's February. And you know what, if you're eight months out, that means if you want to be hunting in October or November, you better um, order it right now. Uh, yeah. so totally. if, if folks want to get involved in the process with you guys, and, and I totally recommend that they should, y'all made it super easy for me. So easy to the point that, 
I've had friends ask me about the process and like, well, what did you do about this? And that? I, I don't know what I did. They did it for me. I just yeah, signed totally. where they told me to sign. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Y'all took care of it. So uh, how can people get started? What's the best way for them to get started? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, just being transparent, we find customer satisfaction is the same, whether you buy it right off my website or call my folks. Um, of course, I feel like I got the folks paid to be here and they're a great resource. I do think it helps if you're going through the process and you have a question and you have a sales guy, you could just text and say, hey, you know, no matter what the question is, they're going to respond. So sometimes it's good to just call in and end up having sort of a inside person that's your person that you could talk to when you have questions. But yeah, if you just do a Google search for Silencer Central and see our phone number, click on it, call us, it doesn't mean you got to buy anything. You can just talk about it. But, you know, one thing I probably didn't mention, I think is a big sort of advantage too in working with us is we let customers pay while they wait. And that concept seems odd, but basically it's the, this, the, the situation I got into at gun shows is it's like, you know what? My wife is not going to let me pay you up front for something that I'm not getting for eight months. That ain't mm-hmm. going to work. So I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, brother, how about you give me a hundred bucks? I'll start the process for you. And you just p- make payments every month. I won't charge you interest. I mean, I want you to get it as soon as you can too, because there's no need to have it in my warehouse. I'm having to pay insurance on it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's been, I'd say half of our customers take us up on that where they pay while they wait and just, you know, no interest, no fees to do it that way. And um, I think it makes them feel better too. Like they feel like they could trust us. We're not trying to get everything up front. We're just trying to make the process smooth so that when you're done, you're happy. Um, I mean, some people take that as an insult. Like, well, I can't afford it. You want me to pay monthly? No, we're just saying it's an option if you want yeah, to. Because right. <laughs> there's some guy, I mean, I can tell you a guy who's worth 80 something billion dollars, who is a household name that bought one for me and my staff put him on easy pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, I mean, it. look, I mean, I did it. And yeah, totally. Like you said it wasn't because I didn't have the money right then. It was because why would I give you all the money now if you'll let me give it to you over the next year? It's time yeah. value of money. I mean, like if you understand basic finance, like totally. I'll, I'll take that deal every time, even if I've yeah. got eighty billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, that's probably yeah. part of why he has eighty billion dollars. <laughs> that's right. He understands those concepts, but. uh no, man. I mean, thank you for for you know, kind of walking us through the the ins and outs of, of of silencers, you know, as a as a method to reduce recoil. I think that that's something that people just think it's all about being quiet. And I would say that that's it's certainly part of it for me, but it's it's actually not the biggest driver for me. It's it's the recoil and the ability to shoot and just make shooting fun. It really does yeah. make shooting fun. Where for me, I like shooting clays, but you know, shooting rifles, yeah, sighted in for deer season and, and call it good. good you it. know, I, yeah, I, yeah. it makes it fun to practice. It makes it fun for youth hunters. I got two young boys that I'm, I'm hoping they want to get into it, you know, and, and this is something I just want to start them out from the beginning with. And, uh, I really think more and more people should, should do it. What's your website? Where can they go? If folks want to check it out. Yeah. Silencercentral.com. Yeah. It's super easy. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun. I appreciate the opportunity. Enjoyed it, Brandon. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Butch, you uh, are you on the Silencer Central website, picking one out right now? I mean, the <laughs> thing is, I mean, actually, look, yes, <laughs> you got you got to do it now. I mean, it's it's mid February. That means you're going to be getting it mid October. That's just enough time to get it get it on your rifle, get your rifle sighted in, and be ready for rifle seasons in November. Definitely, man. I. Uh... I do not have much, admittedly, I do not have much experience with suppressors up at my place not too, too long ago. We had several up there and we're messing around with some. 
definitely a cool addition for hunting. I've never killed a deer with one, but I can imagine, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, it's a big deal to be able to see your target and see where it goes. I mean, we talk about making ethical shots and, you know, wanting to recover every animal that we shoot. Now that's a big yeah. part of it. If you shoot it and you don't know where it went and it's not making a huge blood trail, which happens, you know, more than I would like, not necessarily with my 270, but you know exactly what I'm saying though. Yeah. You want to put all of the odds in your favor and being able to see that bullet hit the deer and see how it reacts is a big deal. When you go to the rifle range and you take a 22 long rifle out and you, you set it up on the bench and you want to make a really precise shot, you will just take every effort to squeeze that trigger ever so lightly because why you're, you know, that what's going to happen on the other end is just going to be a pretty gentle sound, very little recoil. And it's just pleasant. That's why 22s are fun to shoot. You know, everybody right. likes shooting a 22. When you take that same mindset to a high powered hunting rifle, you shoot a lot better because you're not thinking about the sure. sound. You're not sure. thinking about the recoil. You're not thinking about that violent percussion that's going to happen. Cause you know, it's not going to happen. And I think that's one of the things too, is when I shoot suppressors with people for the first time, they're always surprised. I think they think it's going to be a lot quieter than it is. I, feel, I think they feel like it's going to be like something they saw in a movie. Yeah, where, I was a little surprised at how loud that 308 was, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's not so quiet that it's, I mean, I always hear people say, I want to shoot a suppressor because I don't want, you know, to scare the animals off. When I, no, no, it's still going to scare them off just as much as it does with a regular rifle a regular without rifle without suppressed yeah thing. i mean how many times have you shot them with a regular rifle and didn't scare them off they just stood there and didn't move yeah so that has for me that has nothing to do with it, it has everything to do with accuracy and also the people around me and just being hearing safe i i've definitely as i've gotten older noticed my hearing is is for diminished sure. and when I look at my sons, you know, I, I don't even want to go there. Like, why? Why Why go there? We don't have to go there. We have this, the ability to mitigate that now sure. and not, you know, just not deal with it. it. It's it's asinine to me why it's so hard to get one in the way that it is, but it is. So the biggest thing is just get it going. If you want to do it, get it going. I, I just really, like I said, this is not a sponsored podcast. This is not, right. you know. Silas of Central does not advertise with us or anything like that. Like they have got the process down pat. They make it super yeah, easy. Sure sounds like it. Just knock it out. Get her done. That's right, man. Good show. Enjoyed it. Me too. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's show is brought to you by... Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. If you buy it today, you pick it up today. They offer 20 Sherwin-Williams colors to choose from and a 40-year warranty. Baker Metal and Dixie Supply, two names, 
same great service. With the addition of their new store in Cantonment, Florida, they now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters, and also Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients to your deer? If so, try Southern Buck Food Plot Blends. Your deer will love it. At Southern Seed and Feed, they specialize in making textured feed for horses, cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, chickens, small animals, and wildlife. Their products are proven irresistible, scientifically formulated to promote excellent herd health and hunter satisfaction. They supply products to various distributors throughout the South. So visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. 